0: This morning's readings from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out A little from the shore then he sat down and taught the people from the boat when he'd finished speaking he said to simon put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch simon answered master we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so i will let down the nets when they had done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing and a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of the illnesses. But Jesus often withdrew to any places places and prayed.
1: Good morning, everyone. Our previous series, Follow the Star, was focusing on the time of the Advent and the waiting process related to that. It is, it is now past the time of the Advent and we know that what had been announced or rather who had been announced is now fully present on earth. The world has become flesh. It is the beginning of a new era. Today we have some kind of a life-size portrait of Jesus. We get to see him in action, we get to discover what his presence is all about, what it produces, how it impacts the world, the people, the characters of the Bible, but also us here in 2020, us who participate in the ongoing writing of God's people history. At the time of the events, Jesus is now fully grown, is fully God, and is fully man, and we understand that He is on a journey, is moving about on the land of Israel, and everywhere his presence causes a lot of turmoil, a lot of movement. And this because when Jesus is around, people get to see changes, transformations, upheavals. They get to see things unseen or unheard of. And really, when it comes to Jesus, People are rarely left indifferent. Some are amazed, some are questioning, and some are angered. There's a whole range of reactions, but for all, something is particularly striking. It is discussed by almost everyone, and that is Jesus' authority. Authority is apparently what singles Jesus out. Authority, that's another word for strength, power, an effective power that brings about changes. This authority, Jesus has exercised it all around the country. But before chapter 5, it is mainly done to crowds or and. Unidentified people, but we are here dealing with the first extended episode with identified persons, and I guess that's a good news. It is good to be reminded of the double level of reality of God's plan. It has a collective aim or perspective, but it also has a very strong individual tone. This simply reminds us that our God is relational and specific. And each time contact with Jesus produces something unique. Jesus answers our personal and sometimes very deep questions and needs. The situation of Simon, the main character today, is unique too, but it is also very emblematic and meaningful and can help us understand what Jesus is doing in the lives of individuals. From one city to the next, from one episode to the next, we see the unfolding of Jesus' authority. And soon enough, we get to understand that there is another key word in association with Jesus because his singular authority always seems to be exercised while aiming at a specific goal restoration restoration that is what Jesus is actually doing and involved in while traveling across the land of Israel restoration what a project There are two definitions found in the dictionary for the word restoration that are quite interesting. First, restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. And second, restoration has something to do with the return of a monarch to a throne, a head of state, government or a regime to power. Restoration is indeed a huge project, a huge worksite, and for Jesus it is aiming at establishing God's reign or authority on earth. This means resetting the creation in order, getting rid of wrong authority, casting out unrightful powers. And evil spirits. The ultimate goal being to get rid of everything impeding the fullness of life for man and opposing a healthy relationship between man and God. In Israel restoration is to take place in all territories even in personal territories in the spaces of human lives. And the beginning of chapter 5 shows that it is precisely what Jesus is doing. Jesus is investing in what could seem little or worthless territories, that is, the personal territories of human lives. The dimension of restoration is probably more obvious in the episode with the man ill from leprosy. The body of that man was obviously affected, damaged. For him, Jesus has exercised his authority and has reclaimed the territory that the the disease had appropriated and invaded. With words and acts of authority, Jesus healed the man so that his body could function properly again. He'll, like in many other occasions, Jesus takes actions. He takes care of broken and damaged bodies and makes them whole again. His touch can heal. And on the roads of Israel, his reputation precedes him. And people go to him with a sense of expectation. The faith that a touch from him could bring tremendous changes changes in their lives, changes in their bodies. That is particularly true of a woman who for 12 years had an issue of blood. During 12 years her body had been dysfunctional and during 12 years she has tried everything she could in vain, but once She had an opportunity, an opportunity she in fact partly created with determination. She went to Jesus to get a touch from him and she silently grabbed his garment. And then after 12 years of trials, at this touch from Jesus, she was immediately released, freed, healed. In this story, we can probably find reason for comfort and hope, even if we are also very well aware that there is always a part of mystery in God's way, a mystery about how and when it takes action. Some may experience a very prompt healing, and some people don't. Sometimes there are signs of recovery, and sometimes They are not manifest at all. But in those cases, I like to remember what Derek Prince, a renowned Bible teacher and minister, used to say. He used to say something like, even if the signs of healing are not manifest, once we have come to the source of power for healing, once we have come to Jesus, we then have to keep our fingers plugged into the source of power. And this is done by faith, by renewed faith, strength, hope, perseverance, and prayers. The well-being of our bodies, the fullness of our else, is key to Jesus' purpose and mission. But there is more. Jesus is concerned with all our sores and scars, but even those who are not seen by the eye. And the case of the men with leprosy or even the woman affected with the issue of blood are certainly illustrative of that. Because with those two diseases, people were considered unclean and were then banned, excluded, kept at the margins of social life. In those cases, on top of the physical aspect, healing would mean erasing the causes of rejection and isolation. It would mean restoring the capacity to have a social life and connect with peers. All this is important and Jesus is concerned with all this. But there is more. And now Simon's story is probably a good illustration of what more can be like. Because in fact, the few verses that describe Simon's experience seems to be telling a story of restoration that goes even deeper than what has been discussed so far. With Simon's story, we really get to understand that restoration does not only apply to the body, but as something to do with the whole body. To, it is a project seeking a sense of unity, coherence, and purpose for the whole being. In fact, we will get to see that restoration is about fully becoming ourselves. Restoration is about regaining our di- divine stature and foundation. Simon's experience is striking, but we may not immediately read it as a story of restoration. What is probably more obvious, though, is that in modern language, it could easily be classified as a success story, as the story of a success. That's the kind of stories people are usually fond of, and media like to report them with headlines such as, from rags to riches or from harmlessness to avoid. Beyond those few words, we can picture a whole journey, a journey that speaks of drastic changes, a movement from nothing to something, or a shift from a situation of lack to abundance. Those stories are impressive stories with a touch of sensational. And when we look at Simon's experience, we can in fact trace the same kind of trajectory that goes from little to great. And this is undoubtedly a movement that the Lord is creating. It is undoubtedly the movement the Lord wants us to be in, the direction he wants us to take. This, I believe, is what the Lord has in store for us, but... But even if the Lord wants to see us prosper, what he wants us to have is not primarily an abundance of material things or human richness. No, with the Lord, the perspective must be shifted. The abundance he wants us to receive is synonymous with fullness of being. With him, it is all about fullness but fullness of identity, fullness of life. And that's precisely what Simon's journey is achieving. So let's have a closer look at this journey. And as already mentioned, it is in many ways meaningful. What is clear is that Simon started with nothing. He had nothing. Then. Certain things happened and he ended up with a lot. The sensational dimension of the story is quite obvious. There is this incredibly huge amount of fish taken and right away that calls on attention. But there's a parallel plot to that. And maybe we could consider that the abundance of fish is a sign for something happening in the depth of Simon's identity. Simon's journey is involving an identity process and somehow in the course of events, Simon's identity is upgraded. From a mere fisherman, it becomes a fisher of men, something with a much larger scope. Even His name bears traces of changes because on his way back, it's thought to be referred to as Simon Peter. Thus giving us a hint at the future when Jesus would end up calling him Peter, the rock, the rock upon which Jesus' church was to be built. This is to happen later on, but now is an early stage of Simon's identity process. And for the time being, he is Simon Peter, fisher of men. The man that came out of an experience in the deep waters of the lake. Undeniably, transformation has occurred. Simon is changed. He is enlarged. He has in a way become a greater version of himself but how did this really happen in the series of events leading to the outcome of Simon's journey there is a few things worth being pointed out And this starts with the location of the whole scene. We can take notice that at the beginning of the experience, Simon is found standing by the edge of a lake. And it is in an obviously bounded place. A place where the land, the ordinary solid ground comes to an end and gives way to another space the water of the lake. In this border place between the land and the lakes, Simon stands in a place where choices have to be made. The land and the lake are two opposing symbolical spots. The land, that's the place where... Human usually stand. It represents the ordinary ground and the place of the well-known, some kind of comfort zone. As opposed to that, the lake could be seen as a place of insecurity, the place of the unknown and of what is not easily reachable for humans. Anyways, in Simon's story, departing from the land is clearly synonymous with reaching new ground, gaining new territories. That could be a rather joyful prospect, but this requires stepping out. And stepping out to be heading towards the waters can be frightening. This move means heading towards uncertainty, Insecurity, perfect ingredients to trigger fear. And actually Simon's journey starts right there in the place of questioning, questioning about stepping out. The truth is that growing, expanding, reaching new grounds necessarily implies a stepping out moment. It implies being willing to be challenged and being willing to fight fear any kind of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of insecurity, or even fear of failure. Fear, it is a very deceitful friend. It is really prompt to show up, but it has an agenda of its own. And its main goal is to stop us but we don't have to be overwhelmed by fear. Jesus offers an alternative. He opens up for us the door of a spiritual way to face up challenges. First, we can, like Simon did, act after after Jesus' word and walk leaning on the strengths of his word. Secondly, Jesus grants us spiritual authority that can be Exercise to silence fear. We are his heirs, his inheritors, and we can counter fear with the same authority Jesus has demonstrated. On top of that, when we act after his word, we can be sure that Jesus will back us up. Before finishing this journey and reaching new ground, Simon had to take different other steps. Once determined to let go of the land, Simon had yet to go ashore and then in deep waters before coming back. And it is apparently after the passage in deep waters that changes are manifested. And that is quite interesting because in the Bible, the symbolism with water is rich and the deep waters here could represent different things. On the one hand, it could certainly be related to the image of the well. In the time of the patriarch, the well was a resourceful place. It was something necessary for the well being of men and flocks. It was then a source of blessings and an important piece in people's inheritance, a piece which spoke blessing and which at the same time revealed something about lineage because wells were transmitted from generation to generation and for instance we can find in the book of Genesis mention of wells being inherited by Isaac from Abraham and then transmitted to Jacob that shows that wells can truly be long lasting and they are pieces of blessing from generation To generation. There are places of transmission, transmission of wealth and tradition with regard to personal or family lineage, or even with regards to church or spiritual tradition, for example. But the deep waters Simon had to deal with could also remind us of the waters of baptism. In that case, they bring about the idea of a death and rebirth process. In those waters, the old man is meant to go down deep so to, as to let the new man emerge in a renewed spiritual life. Baptism is obviously a unique moment that has to be experienced but once, but there are probably times, you know journey of faith when we have to refresh our spiritual inner man and strengthen him. And while taking about water, there is something else to mention. The living water. That water, that particular water that Jesus alone can provide. He himself qualified that water when once talking with a woman by a well, he qualified the living water as a water giving fullness of life. So when we look at Simon's old journey, it seems that there there have been some kind of living water effect in his life. Simon seems to have gone digging into wells of blessings or diving into deep, renewing waters. Because on his way back on the land, transformation signs are tangible. It is then that abundance is fully manifested in his identity. So the passage in deep waters is key. But other realities are important too. In Simon's success story, we have to underline the fact that everything started with a posture of humility. The boat of Simon was emptied. Simon symbolically made room for Jesus to step in. And then he accepted not to be in control, he accepted to be led and accompanied by Jesus all along the way. He accepted then to sail towards the unknown with him. And there is also in Simon's experience some kind of repentance process because once he realized the greatness of the action of Jesus, then he had a sense of Frailty, a sense of unholiness. And he voiced those ideas to Jesus. He shared them to Jesus. And Jesus simply took those things from him and washed those fears and those unclean things with words of comfort. Simon... He went on a journey from little to great, stepping by a lower step. The lower step is what probably helped him to go further and to be greater at the end. In his, ju- in his journey, we can retain that greater needs to take a step at lower to be fully achieved. So what we could just add now is that with all that has been said, we could be reminded that Jesus' action is meant to restoration, the restoration of identity a restoration of authority, but this authority we have to exercise in our lives and around us. And we also have to be reminded that to reach for full identity, this process requires stepping out. So we could probably conclude with a set of questions. Simon has been asked to leave the land and add towards the sea. What about us? Where are we now in our lives? Would we now be ready to step out? Do we find opposition in us or around us for this move? Do we fully exercise our God given authority to move forward? I guess it would be good for us to step out and add towards deeper. It would be good to go dig into our personal and collective wells. It seems that now is the right time to remove all caps, to unseal the good wells of our lives, so that Jesus' refreshing water and anointing can flow full blast in our lives. Yes, I think it could be good for us to become greater more alive, more sensitive to Jesus' word, more in relationship with our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. It would certainly be good to become more ourselves—that self that is more at the image of the Father. But to be set in motion or to be launched on a journey towards greater, a journey towards our restored identity, We probably need help. So, are we willing to get a touch from Jesus? Would we let his breath fully dwell in us so as to be sensitive to his voice? Would we let Jesus talk and redefine our identity? Would we let him set us free? free from misconceptions about who we are and about who he is. All who are thirsty, he can quench. All who are weary, he can relieve. To all who have questions, he can answer. The the well of living water is meant for us. So why not go fetch some fresh water? Let the Holy Spirit lead our way. Amen.